0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Going Solo Podcast. This is your humble host, Matthew Mayer, coming to you from Omaha, Nebraska. And I just have to say how pumped I am for this. You know, this is part two of my two-part interview with the great, the one and only, Mr. George Winston. The feeling and the experience to get to talk to this man, someone that I've looked up to all my life, was just remarkable, and we just spent a really great time talking and chatting as he was driving from Minnesota to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, um, on one of the many cities that he's performed in and is still touring yet this year, and not only just talking about music, but in talking about all these interesting insights on how you approach life, how you approach ideas, how you approach creativity. The whole experience was just awesome. So I hope first, if you haven't listened to part one, please go back and do so. Listen to that because this interview will pick up exactly where that last one ended. So please, uh, you know, grab your favorite beverage, whatever that is. There's no judgments here and uh, sit back, relax and enjoy this part two interview with the great George Winston. Um, Another thing that I admire about you so much is not only your apparent work ethic, you seem to have a good sense of when to detach from things, whether that be a song, whether that be a creative process that isn't working, and then when to let it come out naturally. And the other thing I love is when you talk about, okay, this thing didn't work out. Well, that's the way it was supposed to be.
1: For now, yeah. It could be, could be it happens later, like it did with the song Touch Me, you know, like later it worked out and I was glad, but I had other Doors. I'm working on Doors volume, Doors album volume two. So I didn't have a lack of songs. It wasn't like, this has to work. This has to be on the record. Mm. Um, I mean, there are certain things, you know, have have to be on the record. Well, that's not as much of an attachment as it is a realization, Mm. like, The record's just gonna have to wait until I figure out how to play this song because the album needs this song. However, I do it, and well, I do try to have that as part of the spectrum—a little, just a little pinch of this doesn't really matter for everything. Mm. Like it doesn't really matter if I make it to the next town. I mean, it does, but it kind of—it really doesn't—to the fate of the universe. I love that. You know, just a little bit, not to have that be a major thing, but to have that be like, well. Do the best you can and that's it and
0: are you talking about perspective it's never going to come out what's that are you talking about perspective there too a little bit like keeping things in the proper perspective of how you approach yeah every everything
1: um music's just one part of a life endeavor you know of doing things and i kind of have a little bit of that in there
0: now, there's no doubt that you've heard of George Winston, the musician, but have you ever heard of George Winston, the athlete? We take a rare turn in how athletics has played a role in his music.
1: Now, I was a, I was a basketball player and I had to make free throws at the end of the game. I don't know much about the zone. I've only gone into the, into the zone musically maybe two or three times ever, wow. but basketball, if I had to make free throws in the end of the game, I would just go into a trance and I wouldn't even know what I was doing and I'd make them. Wow. In fact, one was to get to the next round in a state tournament oh, and wow. it was the opposing school's gym. Down by one, had two free throws with one second, one second left. Of course, everybody in the gym is yelling. It became this drone <laughs> right. that walls me into a trance. Like I didn't even look at the basket. I just, I just made it. Amazing. And other times in basketball, uh, somebody would throw me the ball, I just throw it up in the air and it'd go in. I wasn't even thinking. <laughs> I wasn't even looking at the basket. And then that's kind of the zone temporarily. And then there's a couple games where, maybe three games where I just you know became Michael Jordan. You know, <laughs> just took over. But very very rarely. And music. I can think of two or three times where I just go into this this zone, this subconscious state, and just do it. Sometimes it, you don't even know you're in it. Like I was recording Riders in the Storm, and after I recorded it for the Doors first album, the 2002 album, and the engineer said, Come on in, listen to that. I went, Why? There's nothing there. I didn't feel the same. There's nothing there. Wow. He played it back and said, Is that one I did? I don't remember any of that at all. <laughs> I said, it's not perfect, but we have to keep it, because I'll never even play it anywhere <laughs> near similar to that ever again, and I don't to this day. In like, fact, I haven't even heard it to this day. You know,
0: I oh mean, gosh.
1: listen to it, since then. But I said, I'll never, this is like a, a great anomaly, that I'll never, I couldn't, you know, if I thought it for 20 years, I wouldn't have played it that way. So I just lucked out. Oh so that, but I didn't know I was in the zone. I was just kind of bored, you know, just kind of not inspired. And other times in the studio, I've been very inspired and hot, and everything. I come in and go, ah, "That's too much stuff, too many notes. That's no good at all." Mm. So it's recording's pretty hard. Yeah, it takes and a while. It takes a while to know if it's any good or not. You listen a few days later, maybe listen a few weeks later, right? Even a few years
0: later. Well, I never realized your past was sports. Has that been any influence in your music as well? Being that athleticism and that competitiveness, has that played a part in your music over the years?
1: Well, about the practice, Yeah. you know, you practice, you practice basketball, you practice free throws, you practice jump shots, you practice defensive moves. Well, music, play on the piano. There's different, you know, there's the stride base. Right. Racking and there's certain right hand licks. There's so there's different approaches within the the keyboard's kind of a basketball court. This is what you do it with it. Yes. Yes. And then there's various disciplines within that. Fortunately, it's great. That it's not basketball because I'm playing. Nobody's trying to mess me up. <laughs> what a relief! So it's athletics made music much easier because nobody's trying to to stop me. So and then the you know. Whatever muscles got to be in shape, you know the fingers, right. wrists. You know it, it definitely definitely helped. And then the kind con- of concept of teamwork. Well, right. the teamwork is like, well, who am I playing for, and what within the songs that I really actively play and want to play fits this particular audience I'm playing for. You know, if it's a senior center, it might be Tennessee Waltz on guitar. Right. You know, if it's uh, concert it might be thanksgiving for the december record so it just it are definitely taking into account who i'm playing for it's it, i'm still doing my thing because i'm still playing songs that i really want to play it's just there's no way in this particular event that i'm gonna play all of them right. So which the ones do i want to play fit this situation now in the piano concerts i've got the summer show and winter show i'll be doing the winter show this time which is what i regard fall all winter type songs yes and then the next time will be a summer show, which is spring and summertime songs. And they ch- the sets change over time, and there's alternate songs. I keep track of what I play for, what I played last time. The bottom line is, what do I want to do right now?
0: Mm, being in the present moment. Yeah. So,
1: kind of like we all do with any endeavor. We plan for the future, right? but then we deal with things as they come at the same time. So the planning is part of it, but... What you do spontaneously is always part of it, too.
0: I now ask George what his advice would be to not only other piano players, but creative people in general. And it's here where we start to get into the conversation of the subconscious and the importance of listening to that subconscious. If you had a room, say, filled with composers and particularly solo artists, and if you could just give like one nugget of advice for any creative person, right? Not necessarily just solo piano, but authors, writers, producers. And if they could hear, you know, George Winston give them one piece of advice, what what would that be? Well, if you
1: were in music, I'd say, if nothing else, learn the 12 major minor chords. Mm. But if it's in general, I'd say, the subconscious keeps the tree in cells growing, it's pretty smart. You know, gotta to listen to it. I got this uh, professor Longyear interview. He said, "Well, I think it was a song. I dream on it." So I said, "Well, let me try that." So I just lay down, close my eyes, and I Kate, sometimes start thinking of things to do in a song. So this that approach is, you know, not exactly being asleep, but you know, laying down yeah. and just whatever, let whatever come. You know, maybe be linear a bit. A lot of times, the right answer will pop out. I find. Yeah, I don't want, you don't want to want it too much. Mm. You, you want to want it enough to lay down and dream on it. But you don't want it so much to say, okay, in 10 seconds, I need it. And occasionally, you could force something like that just to, if nothing's happening, you could maybe go, in 15 seconds, give me the answer. And mm. then the answer might be toothbrush. You go, okay, that's not the answer, <laughs> but at I got the cobwebs out of the hole. I got... I got something moving. I don't think I've ever had that work. I, said, I need to know where the car keys are in ten seconds or in a minute and a half. <laughs> but it might have helped me find them in five minutes. It might have helped unclog this conscious and subconscious. Because the subconscious to me is like the hard drive and the computer. And the conscious is like a screen. Mm. It can deal with one or two things. And what you do is you make those one or two things into one thing. Like you drive a car, you got the clutch, the gas, the steering wheel. Right. it becomes one thing but when you're starting out it's three things well the piano the way I approach the piano is I get the left hand down first and then add a simple right hand so you gotta get whether it's stride or boogie woogie or change booker style left hand so it's two things at least but then later it becomes one thing you go okay I'm just gonna play Pixie I don't have to think about the bass and the chord and the left hand you know it becomes one thing later but it is two or three things, and I think it's kind of like juggling. I think it's temporarily not paying attention to the left hand so I can get the right hand right, then put the attention back on it real quick. I think that's kind of automatic. Driving, you know, you right. driving, you you got a clutch. You in the beginning, you, you deal with okay, press the clutch down, I'll change the gear pretty soon it just becomes driving. When I started driving, I never thought it would. I went, how am I ever going to, how do people listen to a radio while they're driving? <laughs> well, now I do interviews while driving. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say the subconscious knows the answer. Otherwise, I wouldn't have the motivation in the first place, which it also gave
0: me. And you're trusting There's, that. Just,
1: there's so much mind chatter that it's hard to, so much everybody's got to deal with. 100,000 times the information now that was 20 years The discipline used to be how to find the information starting 25, 20 years ago. Now the now the discipline is to turn it off.
0: Mm, so true.
1: You can find every, everything within five or six seconds. Uh, when do you stop looking for the information? That's a, that's a discipline just like you have to go to, you just have to go to the library or write letters. It's a discipline too, but now the discipline is, okay, yeah, that's interesting, but I'm gonna—I'm not gonna look at it. Right. <laughs> so I'd, I'd rather have it be that way. It is a adjustment that everybody's had to make. First time I had a, I was on a computer. I was on it for nine hours. <laughs> it was six in the morning, and go, whoa! Got to watch out. I'm like, everything. i I've Got to control this thing. So it's a great thing. It's just—it's like any machine, learning right. how to use it, You're learning how to use a piano, a bicycle. Oh, sorry.
0: what was your question it was along those lines of that subconscious and i love how you let that subconscious come to life you pay attention to it and to your point about it being so busy and life being so busy it's it's like we've tried to push that subconscious out of us so many times and not letting just things naturally happen well i think that it would
1: be an aha moment to everybody with an emotion if it's a real thing instead of mind chatter. Like if it's mind chatter, I go, I think this is going to work here at this temple. That's mind chatter. Mm. That's linear, and maybe it will even. But it's like, oh, play touch me half speed. It's like a, it has a feeling, an emotion, mm. a happiness. Like, oh, yeah. And I might still go to the piano. It still might not work. But then. Something will come from that, like, oh, well, no, but this other song has speed. You know, it's like, you know, I might not be able to receive the information. I might not understand the information, so it might give me a hint to get to it. Uh, like, I don't deal with symbolism yeah. myself, yep. consciously. But, you know, I don't look at logos or, sure. you know, say, this means this. I just go, this is this. I mean, some people are into that artistically. I'm not at all. Right. Yeah, But... It could be that subconscious could also say, say the answer is to play touch me slow. Well, the answer could be that I'm slow dancing with somebody and touching them. I go, what's that about? Yeah. And then later on I go, oh, touch me slow. You know, I I don't have that happen that much, but I think it could happen that way too is sort of a hint. Like somehow I'm just not capable consciously of, of receiving the direct information. So it's gonna throw me something that'll get me toward it that old game you're hot you're colder you're hotter you're colder yes you're trying to find something you know you're getting warmer you're getting warmer i don't think i've ever had that happen but that could I, everybody's so different
0: you know right right But like some people
1: symbols would give them the answer to me a symbol wouldn't mean anything
0: Yep. yeah right
1: <laughs> you got play the song slow you know Which, of course, is symbolic, too, because the words play the song flow are symbols for a... The word play is a symbol for a concept. The word, whether you say it or write it, is a symbol for something. A car isn't a car. It's a symbol for the thing I'm driving. So, in that sense, a symbol that's the direct word, but as far as an indirect symbol, I wouldn't know what to do with it, I don't think. Although, maybe I would better now talking about it. Yeah. So, but everybody's got different approaches. And then a little bit of attachment. Well, you know, if I don't, If the way to play this album, this song for the album, the album never comes out, so what? Yes. Nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to care. Even if they wanted it out, well, they'll get get over it.
0: (laughs) I love that. So a little bit of that
1: is good. Um, I tried to use that. I got a flat in the middle of the night, Christmas Eve in Nebraska. Oh, boy. Last December. My first thought was, someday this just could be another funny story. (laughs) And it was 37 degrees and no no sleet or wind or snow. That's the second thing I use. I go, no matter how bad it is, it can be so much worse. You know, like AAA is probably not within 100 miles. <laughs> I mean, not that I needed it, you know, because I had the spare, but spare is a donut. Right. Now i got to drive 60 miles an hour all the rest of the way to Salt Lake to get another tire. But, you know, I could have had two tires below, you know. So, I mean, if that's the two things... This is just going to be another funny story. So far, everything's ever happened to me. It has been that. I've, you know, fortunately, there hasn't been any traumas that, that hasn't been able to cure all the time. <laughs> so, um, but it, it always has been a funny story, just whatever it is. It's like, and there's something to learn from it, too. Um, like everybody, I've gotten car accidents or fender benders. I always learn from them how to not get into the next into how to less lessen that probability later. Does that... Like somebody rear-ended me, well, get, get, when you're stopping, give space for the car in back you to stop. You know, get your boat close to the car in front of you to give somebody back of your room. Right. Even though it's their fault. If you can't open the trunk, it doesn't matter whose fault it is, you can't open your trunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's so
0: well, it's it's using those, I love how you said that because it's using everything that you experience as a learning experience. And for it to benefit you later, whether it's a flat tire that turns into a funny story, or not being able to open a trunk, it's still putting that in perspective. And I just, you just fit all these things together so well. Said and in a well, that big, one, that, bigger well, I, picture. I'd
1: had that car for a year. But all the tires were worn more than I knew they were. I either get a new rental every six months or change the tires every six months. So I, I got by. I got I, lucked, I got. I learned the lesson the easy way on that one. So and it could have been zero. Could have been Nebraska weather. I oh mean, yeah. Oh can yeah. You imagine? I.
0: That's why I always have a full
1: full tank of gas.
0: And with gas still in the tank and gas still in the interview, I now wanted to ask George Winston the question: Does he ever get nervous when he goes out on stage? Of the many years you've gone out on that stage. Do you still get nervous when you play? Only if there's a
1: composer, one of the songs in the audience. Oh. And I probably wouldn't anymore because two times I was nervous, it turned out they couldn't make it. (laughs) So I was nervous for nothing. So a little bit of just a tiny grain of, all right, here's how it really, just a tiny bit of, you know, detachment as usual, just the tiniest quark of arrogance. hmm all right. Mm. Here's how it really goes. You composed it, but Here's how it really goes. That's a technique I would use, even though I know be, I'm, I'm fooling myself. You know, but you know, just try to interject that in. You know, like getting yourself up for a backsp- basketball game. You know, right. like like if you're feeling apathetic, that's the worst. Oh, yeah. A little bit better is I want to kill. A little bit better is I want to kill my opponents. But I had the best games when I loved my opponents. Just like if you're playing Sandlot against your friends, yes. like a Sandlot game. Yes. And you don't cheat, you don't cut corners, you know, if you foul them, they know what you know, you give them the ball. When I love the opponents, that's when I absolutely had the best game. And then they'd make a shot and i go, nice shot, instead get it. Uh, you're never going to take that one again. That's when I had the best games.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: The next, next best games were when I hated my opponents. And the worst games, and I was just apathetic about the whole thing. And ap- apathy is detachment. To me, apathy is just total imbalance. Something's blocking something. But, you know, you go out and go through the motions. Well, you care enough to not quit. And you went through the motions. But even if you quit, it's because, well, I better get to the keyboard. I didn't quit. But uh, I started after the season was over in senior, senior year. Nice. And learning, one of the best, I never really thought about the act of learning. So I was with the cat, and she chased this ball with a bell in it whenever I threw it. Yeah. So one day I decided, I'm going to throw it, the bathtub is full of water, I threw it in the tub. And she jumped in after it, <laughs> and she pulled herself, she turned around in midair, pulled herself <laughs> by her paws by the edge of the tub, and jumped out of the tub and only got her rear feet a little bit wet. <laughs> So the next couple of days later, the tub was empty, but I threw the ball at She ran up to the tub, you know, stood up, looked in, and then ran it after. I went, oh, that's learning. Awesome. I get everything from cats. Everything's from cats.
0: And you have a couple cats, correct? You've No, I'm not with any
1: now. I'm not home much. I've, I've been close to 22 of them over the decades. Wow.
0: Is that where dancing cat records came from?
1: Yeah, I had a cat that stood up to get his head scratched. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. eat the logo yeah. <laughs> so you have to have a logo if i wouldn't have a logo i wouldn't have but you know it's good to have it so yeah when cats dance i get extremely
0: excited like a little kid and it seems like you carry that that kid part of you so when i talked about getting nervous what would have been your advice to me of how I was nervous before this interview and talking to somebody that I've looked up to all my life.
1: (laughs) Do it as soon as you can. It's like going to the dentist. The longer you wait, the worse it's going to be. Right. And if you do something sooner, by the time you would have gone, you're done. (laughs) (laughs) So as soon as possible, something you don't want to do, if you do not do it, you're going to do it. You know you're going to do it. If you don't do it now, you're going to do it later you can't always do it now the sooner the better
0: talking with you is something i've always wanted to do in my life and so i was very nervous you've made this uh i wanted to say first i wish i had a sustain pedal because i think um you've been an influence on how i love that sustain pedal number one <laughs> yeah the way the piano
1: rings out is one of the reasons i not just the one man band thing but right. the, the sustain i like better than organ or strings or anything mm. that sound that sustain was the other reason I played at
0: the And in addition to that, I wanted to let you know that I'm not wearing shoes. I'm just wearing socks on this interview. Um, <laughs> I'm wearing shoes. <laughs> if you have attended a George Winston concert in person, then you know exactly what I meant when I told him that I was not wearing shoes for the interview. But for those of you that haven't, let me quote George Winston's Wikipedia page. Quote, Winston dresses unassumingly for his shows, playing in stocking feet, stating that it quiets his hard-beating, pounding left foot. And for years, Winston would walk out on stage in just a flannel shirt and jeans. Some of the audience would think he was a technician coming to actually tune the piano. But no, that was George Winston. And as we hear from him later in the interview... This is all a part of his art. This is a part of his music. This is a part of who George is.
1: The piano, um, particularly on the folk piano, the melodic style, uh, I came with, came up with that in 1971 as a complement to the tempo stuff, Fats Waller stuff,
0: because
1: mm. I wanted the ballads as well. I noticed the sustain. I really like the sound of that sustain know, um, over time, years, you know, years later, um, there's just this one thing, you know. And I went, well, songs need these other sounds. So I found three other settings. I'm not a harpsichord. I've never played, really played a harpsichord, but I think they've got settings, kind of a muted setting, a treble setting or something. So I found three other settings in the piano. One is to mute the strings of one hand and play with the other. Yeah, I love that. Mute the strings close to you. The other is you can pluck or tap on strings. That's another setting. And that third setting is way inside, hold your hand lightly on the strings way inside for harmonics, mm. like guitarists do. Yeah. Overuse. And I found those settings because, I didn't do it linearly, I did it because the songs needed something. It mm. need something, I don't know. It's kind of like, I think if you really need something, subconscious will find it. Like, you've never not found water when you needed it, ever. Right never fallen down the stairs. The grocery bags always make it to the table. So it's kind of like if you if a song needs something and you want it, you'll find it. There's, there's not a technique for you gotta want it. It's just kind of you either want it or you don't. I mean, I don't think there's a discipline for saying how do I how do I try to want things? Yes. <laughs> you could say I want a discipline to help me want, want, want things. <laughs> it means if I want something it doesn't mean that it's good if I watch something
0: either, you know? Yeah, exactly. If I want to
1: drive 100 miles an hour right now, right. that doesn't mean it's safe.
0: While playing the harmonica. my subconscious just
1: won't let it happen.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, w- I wanted to ask you, um, as you go through all of these shows and through the years, what's what do you want that audience to take away from an experience with George Winston?
1: Well, whatever, it's just I'll leave that up to the individual. Yeah. Because each each individual has a completely different relationship with songs and music. I know when I go see something, I'm a student. I don't even clap. I'm taking notes. You know, people would think I'm the least appreciative, appreciative people in the audience. I'm probably the most appreciative. Wow. So somebody could look at me and go, he's not into it at all. I'm busy, you know, too busy to clap. or to, And I never sit anybody near anybody I know. I, you know, I'm, I'm busy studying here, so so I just each person really has their own process and pictures and tastes. And my thing is just to play the songs as well as I can, you know, just have everything as good as it could be with what I got at the time. There's nothing else.
0: That present moment.
1: I mean, there's no there's no show. I mean, that's all it is. Like some one place I played, there wasn't a stage, and they can't they can't see you from the back. I go. There's nothing to see. There's no show. It's just the songs. The Life's never changed. Nothing ever changes. It's just the songs. And that's kind of an arena of limitations. Like, right. songs have to do it. Now, people will use all kinds of multimedia. Well, that's their art form. Mine is to, that the song has to do it. And nothing else. Not my shirt. Not anything. But other people in the wardrobe will be part of the show. Well, right. that's just legitimate. That's the artistic frame set setting. I tell people I'm just like Liberace. I know exactly what I want, and it's nothing. You know, he had different decorations and stuff. Oh yeah. I'm the same way, my decoration is no decoration, but it's no, not one is not better than the other. It's just what are you, who are you? What are you trying to express?
0: Did you ever fight against that creatively? Did you ever? Did you? Did that ever become a challenge of saying, hey? I'm more of a simpleton from that perspective. Did that ever make you want to add more? Or how was it you were so confident in that art form in which you were a solo artist?
1: Well, it's not as much confidence as it is, just that's what it is to me. Mm. Um, I remember I was playing organ in a band. One time one of the guys said, hey, could you stand up and shake back and forth? I go, uh, no <laughs> Busy playing the song <laughs> If you're not playing the song good Then there, is, there isn't anything oh. I have to make it everything Because anything else would be a distraction right. I couldn't talk to somebody and play I'm, I'm not a singer but I couldn't sing and play I can't look at the audience and play I can't do anything but play
0: And that has... Or I don't
1: want to Or I You not or something you know? right. but Anything that distracts from the music Is out of there I don't care who or what it is It's out of there I love
0: that Covering George's style of his music And getting rid of those distractions And also talking about the very few times Where he has been nervous I take an opportunity to thank him For calming my nerves For this interview No, I was really nervous
1: The first time in 2001 I called Ray Manzarek from the doors, I hung up the phone a few times. <laughs> I just went, what am I gonna say to Ray Manzarek? Yeah. And he just made it seem like I'd known him for 20 years. But if I actually, I, I I dialed the last digit and then I just hung up the phone out. And, I, and then it was that thing, if I don't do it now, I'm gonna have to do it later. <laughs> See, he'd heard about the album, he wanted to talk to me, well, let's just get it done, you know? If right. I let it go, the phone's ringing, it's ringing, I'm not gonna hang up. He answers, I'm certainly not gonna hang up. <laughs>
0: and when george winston called me i i wasn't gonna hang up either i was gonna i i was gonna deal with it and it's just been another dream come true of of my lucky life as well so i mean if i'd met that chase booker
1: he died he died before i met him before i met him but i would have i would have passed out right i I just said i have no idea what to do here um
0: yeah, well, Professor I, Long,
1: uh, I said, I have, uh, <laughs> there are no words, you know, I just, unfortunately, I never saw or met either one of those. Two.
0: Yeah.
1: That's why I died way before us. was born. Uh, I didn't, I didn't meet Vince Giraldi a couple of times. Yeah. Back when I met him, I was playing intermission piano at a place. I was th- customary to venues when an intermission pianist, when the main act is taking a break, And I was playing intermission for Vince Guaraldi. That was nerve-wracking. Oh, my gosh. So I was talking to him about it. He said, well, that's how I started out. I was playing intermission piano with Indians back in 1953.
0: (laughs) And at that time, did you ever think that you were going to be that much of an integral part of him and what you've done to help him carry his music legacy through the generations? I mean, it's just amazing.
1: Well, I I always loved his songs, his Peanuts pieces jazz compositions and every time there was a new peanuts song, I take it with a cassette player for songs. So I just always knew I was gonna play a lot of his songs. I just love I think like I've played about sixty of them over the years. Wow. Wow. Over many over many over the years, something like that. I've got two volumes of his i recorded two volumes of his songs. And the third one's done, it's come out in the future at some point. Yeah I always knew I'd play his songs. Everybody remembers where they were when they heard Kennedy was shot, and they also remember they were where they were the first time they heard Linus and Lucy."
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And for me, I heard it
1: the first time. It, I heard it. For, I in December '65, I wasn't playing yet. I was a fan of animation, so I saw in the TV guide there's going to be a cartoon of the Peanuts characters. <laughs> I, oh, I got to see that because I read the comics and the comic strip. And I was watching, and then when Live Lucy came on, I just went insane <laughs> over that piano. And I wasn't even a piano fan, particularly. Yeah. Not like organ. But I just said, so the next day I went to the record store to look for organ records. It was like the weekend. And there were up on the wall, Charlie Brown Christmas. And I went, wow, it's got to have that song. And then I went close, I got the record, went, oh, this is the Cast Your Fate guy did this. <laughs> And so that was the model for me for Records in the Future, was that one, Charlie Brown Christmas, and The Doors first out, both like one song with 11 parts.
0: And how you describe Linus and Lucy is how I describe Thanksgiving and what that song did for me. Oh, interesting. It's a beautiful transition. It takes me back to being a 12-year-old kid starting to play the piano in eastern South Dakota. Your Thanksgiving is has taught me so much. Because not only can I still hear your influences, even in a slower song, but you taught me to be patient with a song and let it become what it is. I started out, you know, in a small town, and I started out in ragtime pieces and, and learning how to use my left hand, but I was always rushing. I was always rushing music. I was always rushing songs. And that is the singular song that I've always gone back to since I touched a piano. And uh, Well, you know what's
1: interesting about... I- I'll put playing it tomorrow night, and I play it different. If songs don't change, they don't get played
0: anymore. I love uh, it.
1: For me, but it was actually a four-minute improv. I had the chords. Wow. And then, and after the record came out, I said, well, let me learn the, Let me learn what I did. Basically, kind of figure out, see what I did here. So it wasn't a complete improv. The Chords were set, but none of the melody was.
0: Amazing. I
1: think it was another take, and it got lost or something. It was like eight minutes or something. I, it' long gone, but yeah, it's interesting how you you read stories, you know, where Sam Phillips had Jerry Lee Lewis just record this one song before he went home, and that became the hit one take. I mean, it's yeah. one of those kind of things.
0: Sun you know, Records.
1: I remember recording it.
0: You do. And
1: I remember there were two takes, and I think something malfunctioned on the longer one. And I I'd oh, do it again, and, and the shorter one's better anyway. And then I wound up using some of those phrases. And then there are different phrases in there now, but definitely you can tell it's the same song. But if songs don't change; they they fall off the list. They have to keep kind of shift a bit. You know, it can be subtle. It can be subtle shiftings, but they they got a, you know a new thing here and there every so often. Well, I'm not controlling that either to say I want to keep playing the song. It's right? Just, yeah, it's just the shift happens. Uh, if it doesn't, I may play it for a while, but. Not real long, now, even though ray Van Jericho The Doris would never play The Light My Fire solo exactly like that, I always played it only exactly like that, <laughs> so it's all, it's such a different perspective for every player and every listener, that's really the bottom line, and there's no right or wrong, you know, it's just, you know, who is this person as a listener, who are they as a player, every record collection different, or I should take playlists maybe,
0: And as our conversation comes to a close, I have one more opportunity to thank the man who has not only inspired me personally, but has inspired millions of others worldwide. As you said, you you would be lost for words talking to James Booker. I'm usually not lost for words, but uh, thank you for giving everything you can to these songs. Thank you so much for what you've given, not only as a musician, but as a human being. It's been... uh, absolute true honor to talk to you today george
1: oh thanks for the kind words great to talk with you too and i even gave you i gave you an hour
0: i t- <laughs> and That's the main
1: thing is give you the give you the hour
0: and a harmonica you gave me some harmonica in yeah. this <laughs> so there, there'll be
1: a harmonica piece at the show a couple guitar pieces too Perfect. Most likely, come out into the out the stage, you know, tomorrow after the show. Oh. Say hi if, if you can hang around.
0: Thanks again, George, and thanks to thank Penn. you. Yeah, this was this was just so much fun. The next night, I find myself sitting in the second row of the Washington Pavilion, watching George Winston. And the myth is true; he did come out on stage with no shoes, just socks, a shirt, and jeans. He sat down. And the genius that is George Winston gave his show. The show of a song and nothing more. But there was nothing more to see and there was nothing more to experience than the music of a man who has touched generations. But after spending almost two hours on the phone with George Winston, there's one thing I do know. It's all about the music and nothing more and nothing less. One of the reasons I started to play solo piano music was because of George Winston, specifically his song Thanksgiving. And I don't think there's a better word that I can give to complete this interview and to close in saying, thank you, George Winston. Thank you so much for listening to the Going Solo podcast. This is Matthew Mayer. Please follow me at Mayer Solo Piano on Twitter, at Mayer Solo Piano on Facebook, at Mayer Solo Piano on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. And until then, be sure to listen to your subconscious.